0: So over five years ago, we decided that we were going to believe God for a great big miracle. We decided that we were going to transform our communities one community at a time. We believe that the church is better together. And so Bethlehem Assembly of God had a vision. And our vision was to collaborate with other churches and organizations all over the New York metro region to touch people and help them to see the love of Christ in a very tangible way. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of the media uh, saying that the church doesn't love, doesn't care, and that we're siloed and we're divided with one another. I want people to see the real Jesus. How many of you want to see people see the real Jesus? And so man, we were on a mission to let the world see the real Jesus. And so uh, over five years ago, we started with one outreach and uh, we went into Hempstead and we began to work with some pastors in Hempstead. It was awesome. We had 5,500 guests of honor. Every one of them were loved with Jesus, with the name of Jesus, and were loved with just an understanding what it really means to be compassionate. And they went away with haircuts. They went away with groceries. They went away with social services, all kinds of things like that. Well, the next year we had two outreaches the next year we had three outreaches the next year we had four outreaches. Last year we had 19 of these love fest, community fest, 16,067 people were touched with the love of Jesus. In five years, 40,000 people were touched with the love of Jesus. Somebody say, God does miracles. Amen? And guess what? This year we're going to have 23 outreaches all over New York and New Jersey. Somebody say, thank God. God does miracles. And man, God is up to something incredible. Hundreds of organizations. In fact, I want to tell you, they're calling us up and saying, how can I get in on this thing? This is an amazing thing. You know, at our outreach alone, we have 40 doctors and nurses and medical people that actually work in a medical tent to help people medically. We have a social service tent with all kinds of different uh, social services that they can uh, take advantage of. And man, let me tell you what, what's so incredible is a couple of months ago, I get a phone call from the mayor's office of Valley Stream, and they say, "Reverend, we want to see you." And I thought I was getting called into the principal's office. I thought the mayor was going to go. You know, Reverend, you got all these signs all over the place talking about Hope Day. Yeah, you've got all these signs all over the place with people that put it on their on their lawns and say, "I love my church." And man, you've got this big event that you do at Hope Day, and you cause all these traffic jams and all these problems. You got to stop. You got to slow it down. Man, I was afraid that I was going to go into his office, and he was going to tell me what I could not do. I go to his office and I sit down in his office and a couple of people come in the office. They sit down around this table and the mayor says, hey, I guess you want to know why you're here. I said, yes, I do. And he said, He said, you're here because I watch and I'm seeing the way that you're leading your church and the people who love their community, and this Hope Day thing is so big. We're asking you to sit on a very influential committee to help us turn things around a bit and help us to be a better community. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. See, that's what God does. Amen. And that's not just happening here, but all over Long Island and New York, mayors and officials, they're coming back to the church saying, look, we're seeing what you guys are doing, and it's just absolutely amazing what you're doing. And so, listen, I need you all in. And uh, June 3rd is coming really fast and there's a couple of things that I really really need your help with because um, I'm telling you right now it's pretty overwhelming to think you know we just started out with one now it's 23 and now listen the president of Convoy of Hope is flying in on June the 3rd he's gonna be with me the whole weekend and he's looking at this model and in amazement and they're saying how did they do this in New York because they want to do it all over the country and all over the world they want to reproduce it over and over again and so uh, we've become the model for that and it's just by the grace of God I sit back and go I'm not smart enough to do this I'm not smart enough to lead this thing I know it's you God all the way you're a big and awesome God but I need your help in a few ways first of all There are 23 outreaches and all 23 outreach. Man, I'm telling you what, God is doing some incredible things in all these different communities. We have what's called the Hope Day Network and it's the umbrella over all these uh, outreaches. Now each church and each site is independent in the sense that they have to raise their own finances for that. But we supply all of the leadership, all of the administration. We supply all the t-shirts. We supply all the advertisement. We supply so many things to help these organizations uh, come together and do these outreaches all over New York and New Jersey right now. And um, so that costs money, number one. Number two, our own outreach is going to cost us over $40,000. Why? Because we are planning for 4,000 people in Valley Stream. 4,000. That's our goal. And uh, we need your help in every area. And if we pull together, we can have an incredible, incredible outreach on June the 3rd. Here's what we need. We need you, number one, to sign up. And be a volunteer. I'm expecting everybody in this church. If you attend the church, be a volunteer for that day. You can give out a hot dog, you can set up a table, you can set up a chair, you can get involved in all kinds of areas. We need you to step up big and help us as a volunteer. And you can go on uh, the actual app, our app, or you can go on Hope Day New York and you can sign up to be a volunteer. We need you to sign up and sign up really quick so we know exactly who we can depend on. You're going to get a free t-shirt that, that'll be a blessing and so that we're going to have all these. We're going to have over 4,000 volunteers all over New York, all over the place just really loving on God and loving on people and I just want you to be a part of that. Don't miss the opportunity. Now the second thing you can help us to do is raise some funds for this and how you could do this. It's so simple. In the back after the service there's going to be a Hope Day representative and she's going to have two envelopes. In those envelopes there's going to be one envelope for business Businesses. You may have, you may work for a company. You may work for a big corporation and they're always looking to do these things. This is a humanitarian effort. They love this stuff. They want to give to this stuff. They need to give to this stuff. They really need to give to this stuff for tax purposes and all kinds of things. And they're always looking for something like this. And so I would really encourage you to take one of those letters to your business, to where you work or many businesses. We need your help. We need to raise over 40000 dollars for our outreach and we need your help. Just simply give it to them. They'll read the letter. They will be blown away by that. They'll be able to go on the website. They'll be able to see uh, this video and all of what we do. They'll see all the statistics and they will get involved. I promise you. The other the, the other letter or the other envelope will be for your family and friends. And you can give it to family and friends and say, hey how would you like to help out financially with this? Every dollar matters. Why? Because we can do this together. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Now I just want to let you know that Bethlehem Assembly of God has been so incredibly generous that we've actually covered the expenses for the network for years. Now we've said to the network, it's time for you guys to start raising funds for it as well. That that's us and uh, uh, other people. And um, so right now we're looking at raising money for our own site. We got to step up big for our own site. So I want to ask you to help me with that. How many of you say I'm going to be praying for you, Pastor Steve, as you lead this incredible endeavor? Thank you for the four hands that are going to be praying for me. Thank you very much that made me feel good that made me feel good amen and uh and so after the service please grab a handful of those envelopes and give them out to people amen well listen she said papa she said papa my granddaughter said papa It's the fourth word that she said. First word was dad. I'll give it to her. Second word, mama. Third word, hi. The fourth word. I don't care. I came in fourth. Hallelujah. Papa. And my daughter FaceTimed me last night. She said, you got to hear this, daddy. She said, Papa. I took the phone. I was running around. She She said, Papa. She said, Papa. She said, Papa. When you see my wife, just give her a big hug. Hallelujah. I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse Twenty-eight, John 19, verse 28. Later, knowing that all was now completed, so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. And this morning, I want to continue my series entitled, Famous Last Words famous last words. And if you recall, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at Jesus's final statements. And there are actually seven final statements that Jesus makes while he's hanging on the cross. And and my prayer for you, for the next several weeks, and, and what God has done in the last several weeks, is that That as you lean in to listen to the words of Jesus, that you will be so moved, you will be so shaken, you will be so amazed and astounded by these statements, that you will have a deeper love, a deeper appreciation, a deeper passion, a deeper reverence, and a deeper walk with Jesus. I want you... To go to the foot of the cross with me this morning. And I want us to stay there for a little while. And I really want you to feel the intensity. I want you to hear the sounds that surround the cross. I want you to hear the screaming. I want you to hear the cursing. I want you to hear the cries for mercy. I want you to... Feel the pain and the suffering. I want you to smell the stench of death, the odor of suffering. I want you to stay close enough to Jesus so that you can listen. So that you can listen to what he says. And sometimes Jesus cries out with a loud scream. Sometimes there are soft whispers of resolve. Sometimes it reveals his humanity. It always reveals his divinity. And I want you to stop. And really listen to the words of our Savior and our Lord as they echo through the history of mankind. Because as they echo through the history of mankind, they break the strongholds of sin over the lives of those who were held in bondage for many years. They set the captive free and they release the prisoner from prison. Words that can reach to the lowest regions of hell and make the demons quake and the devil wince. The powers of darkness that fall to their knees and recognize this is the Messiah. As Paul declares in Colossians, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us of all of our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them by the cross. My friend, make no mistake. When Jesus died on the cross, he was paying for your sin. Because you were broke, and there's no way you could pay for your sin. But not only was he paying for your sin, but he was taking the punishment that you deserved upon himself, that I deserved upon himself. And when Jesus died on the cross, the enemy of your soul thought that he had defeated Jesus. The enemy of your soul thought that he would won the battle that, that he had made an end to the so-called Messiah, the enemy of your soul, thought that he forever held mankind in the very grips of death and hell in the grave. But little did he know that while Jesus was suffering on the cross, every word, every breath, every painful moment, every grasp, every cry, every prayer, every statement that Jesus was loosening the devil's hold on your life. That Jesus was undoing the plan of the devil that dragged, that would drag your soul to hell. And Jesus was unwrapping the grave clothes that were strangling your spiritual life. And Jesus was unraveling the diabolical scheme of the devil. He canceled the sin on the cross. And he canceled the debt that you could not pay and he triumphed over the devil and the demons and the powerful forces that are below us and he nailed them to the cross so you and I could live the abundant life so you and I could be free from sin and have eternal life. I think somebody should shout right now and say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I don't think you're awake today. Hello. I think you should shout, thank you, Jesus. My friend, the cross gave you and I life. The cross gave you and I hope. The cross gave you and I freedom. Thank God for the cross. But before there must be the completion of the cross, there must be the suffering of the cross. And so Jesus must bear the full brunt of the cross. He's hanging on the cross, and he he cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Mother, this is your son. Son, this is your mother. Why? Why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And within three hours, Jesus is hanging on that cross It's 12 o'clock at noon, and the Bible says that it becomes dark. Darkness covers the whole earth. God turns off the lights. And at that very moment, Jesus has to go into the heart of his passion. He suffers at at the hands of man, but now he's got to suffer at the hands of God because he's taken upon himself the judgment of mankind. He's taken upon himself the wrath of God, and it becomes dark. And at that moment, Jesus is separated from his Father. He's separated from the Spirit, and he's all alone. He's got to walk for the next three hours this journey all by himself. No aid from the the angels, no aid from his Father, no aid from the Spirit. He must walk this journey by himself. And Jesus is bearing the judgment that we deserve upon himself. He's bearing the wrath of a loving and holy God, and he's separated from God. And as he cries out, why have you forsaken me? He reveals his humanness. But now he's going to utter another statement. In fact, the next three statements are quick statements. The several other ones before that were over several hours, but now he's going to utter these three statements really quick. And if you really want to hear what he has to say, you will have to lean in. You'll have to get closer. You'll have to listen really carefully. You'll have to catch it quickly. You can barely hear it. Unless you stand close enough, you'll hear Jesus. But he won't cry out this time. He won't scream out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It will be more like a moan. It'll be a a whisper. And it'll take every ounce of his strength just to say these few statements the first statement he says is dipso in 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 the English it's two words in the Greek it's one word I thirst dipso I thirst I thirst and now a soldier responds maybe the soldier responds out of pity Maybe the soldier actually responds out of duty. Maybe the soldier responds because the soldier is in awe of this man who's hanging on the cross. He never saw something like this in his life. Perhaps maybe he's at the foot of many men who die on the cross. But this man, he's different. This man doesn't curse God. He doesn't curse man. He doesn't curse even the day that he was born. But he blesses. He forgives. He cries out to his heavenly father. But there's something different about this man. As the Bible says, that there was a a Roman soldier that actually beat his breast and said, this was the Messiah. This was the king of the Jews. I'm not certain which Roman soldier did it. But the Bible tells us that a Roman soldier takes his pail. It was actually a canteen. And they would carry it around with them, Roman soldiers, and they had what was called cheap drink. It was like the cheap wine you buy at the drugstore, CVS. It was the cheap, cheap drink of the day. And it was mixed with wine and vinegar and gall or water. And it was actually intended to quench his thirst. There was another bucket. That bucket was mixed with wine, vinegar, and gall. And just that, and it was really made for one reason. It was to dull the pain of those that were suffering the execution as a criminal. And so we know that Jesus denies it in the beginning. Why? Why does Jesus deny the wine, vinegar, and gall in the beginning? You know why I believe? I believe the Holy Spirit showed me. Because Jesus didn't want to dull any of his senses. He didn't want to numb any of the pain. But he, he wanted to feel to the utmost what it felt like to suffer as a human being. He didn't want to dull any of the pain because he wanted to to go to the deepest darkest areas of pain of suffering in his own human life so that you can know that no matter what suffering you go through in your life Jesus knows what you've gone through because we have a high priest that's been touched with the feelings of our own weakness with the feelings of our own pain with the feeling of our own suffering and agony. He did it for you. He did it for me. Somebody say thank You Jesus, you did it because you love me with an everlasting love. But now they take a pail, sour vinegar, vinegar wine mixed with water, the cheapest drink of the day. It was the common drink of man. And the Bible tells us that that at that moment he takes that, that drink. It's actually not a sponge. You know, some movies have it where it's a sponge and they, he takes it and puts it on a spear and, and then he puts it up to Jesus' mouth. But now Jesus is hanging on the cross for six hours. And Jesus is about to die. You can hear the rattle of death. It's called the sound of death, the gurgle of death. He's about to die. The Bible says a soldier, for whatever reason, he takes hyssop and he dips the hyssop in this water. Now we know if we're students of the Bible that, that hyssop was used in the Old Testament for many things, but on one occasion hyssop was used as they took the hyssop and they, they, they put it in a bucket of blood and they took that blood and they 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 applied it to the doorpost of their homes so that when the death angel came he would pass over and thus we celebrate what's called passover and now the passover lamb he's hanging on the cross And he's shedding his own blood for you and I. He's the Passover. He's the Passover lamb. He's the Passover lamb. Hallelujah. And he's hanging on the cross so that when the death angel comes, he will pass over your house. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in the Passover lamb, when you look to the lamb of God, the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth, the death angel will pass over and give you eternal life. Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Jesus, for eternal life. But now why does Jesus have to take, a, take some water? Why does he have to ask, I, I thirst? Why does he have to receive that water? He's about to die. You know, the Holy Spirit showed me some incredible things this week. I, have, I think that the reason why... I'm so passionate about preaching these sermons is because it's changing my life maybe more than anyone else but but as I've been sitting at my living room table studying these sermons the holy spirit's brought me to the foot of the cross and it's it's changing the way that I see the cross it's changing the way that I see my savior it's bringing me to a, a deeper appreciation and understanding of why Jesus said these words So why does Jesus have to say, I thirst? He's about to die. And he just needs a little bit of water. Have you ever been with somebody who is passing on and they can't drink anything any longer and you start to hear and their voice gets raspy and it's the gurgle of death and they just just need a little bit of ice on their lips to just give them a moment to speak their last words. So what does it mean to us today? Why does Jesus have to thirst on the cross? I believe the first reason why Jesus had the thirst on the cross was because it was revealing to us His absolute humanity. While He was still fully God, we have to go even deeper into His humanity. I know for the last couple of weeks we've gone deep into His humanity. But now we've got to go even deeper into His humanity. It's the greatest mystery in all of eternity. The incarnation of God. The mystery of Christ becoming man. I have to confess to you it's a mystery that I I cannot even wrap my mind around. I cannot even really understand the depth of, the mystery of why God would want to become a man. And the Bible says that he didn't just become a man for 33 years, he didn't just become a man just to die on the cross, but the Bible says that he became a man throughout all of eternity. That the Bible tells us that he's still fully God, but he's still fully man, as the Bible says there is one mediator between God And man, the man, Jesus Christ, that Jesus took on something that he never was and he never lost what he always was. He's the God man throughout all of eternity. And he's seated in heaven right now and he ever lives to make intercession as a man for you and I. That is the great mystery of the Godhead. When Jesus took on human flesh, it wasn't for a brief, short time. The Bible tells us he took on forever so that you and I could know that he experienced humanity to the utmost. Before we could experience life, Jesus had to experience death. Not a ceremonial death. Not just a partial death. Not just a partial sacrifice. But a human sacrifice. Jesus had to experience the full intensity, the full magnitude, the the full passion, the full force and concentration of the cross and all of its implications as a human being. There would be no shortcuts. There would be no divine assistance. But he had to be completely human. This is the difference between every other religion on the face of this earth. Is that every other religion says, no, I I can be good enough. I can reach up to God. But every religion fails to understand that there must be an atonement for our sin. And that our sin has separated us from a holy God. And so Christianity is God reaching down as Isaiah chapter 52 and 53 and 54 declares that we have a suffering Messiah. Is the arm of the Lord too short that it cannot save? That he bore upon himself our transgression, our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by a human sacrifice, he made peace with God for us. Somebody help me out. And the Bible tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory that came from the Father. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. The Bible tells us that by him and through him and for him, all things were created. Jesus, the Word, created the vast, powerful waters of every sea, of every ocean, of every lake, of every cloud that holds every rainstorm. All things were created by him and for him. He holds the rain in a dry and parched land. He sends the rain to water the fields to produce the harvest and all the fountains and all the streams and all the mammoth geysers are controlled by his powerful hand. And the truth is Jesus could have commanded his Father to open up the heavens. He could have commanded his Father. He could have asked his Father, Oh Father, I thirst for water. Oh Father, I need a Drink. He could have said to the angels, "Bring me a glass of water. Bring me something from heaven, like they did for David when the men, the mighty men of David, went and brought him a glass of water." But Jesus would not have any assistance from the Father. He could have cried out, "I thirst," and the Father would have broke open the heavens and sent out a deluge of rain that would have t- touched his heart and would have given him a, a quench his thirst. But he did not do it. Why? Because he had to get to the point in his life where he said, I am thirsty like everyone else becomes thirsty in their life. The angels would have gladly gone to the ends of the ocean to bring Jesus a cup of water. And now fully human, he must feel the intensity of becoming so thirsty. Twelve hours of being mistreated. Six hours of being on the cross. His body is fully dehydrated. His body is crying out for a little bit of water. Someone once wrote concerning the sufferings of Christ. Listen, listen. Listen intently. Lean forward. Come to the foot of the cross and listen intently. No wonder he was thirsty. Loss of blood, exposure, heat, exhaustion, dehydration. He's been on the cross now for six hours. The sweat rolls off like a bucket. It's hot and the flies are buzzing around him. The crowds are taunting him. The blood mixes with the sweat as it pours off his body. In the end, dehydration sets in. You know what happens when dehydration sets in. You know what dehydration is like? First, it gives you a fever. Then it gives you a a terrible throbbing pain in your head. And then there's cramps all over your body. And then nausea sets in. Then your eyeballs begin to dry up in the socket. And then your lips begin to go so dry. Then your tongue gets swollen and thick. And then your throat feels like sandpaper. Your vocal cords swell up. And in the end, you you could barely even whisper. Doesn't even sound like words from a human being. It sounds like an animal croaking. No wonder Jesus is now thirsty. The one who said to others, "If you're thirsty, come, come and drink of me, and I will give you living water." Now he is thirsty, and he cries out, Dipsol. I, 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 I thirst." In fact, the human body is made. of two-thirds of water. So if you live to be 70 years old, your body will require 1.5 million gallons of water. A 2% loss of water supply results in a 20% decrease of energy. So somebody give me some water. No, I'm just kidding. Loss of 10% and you cannot walk. Lose 10% of your water mass. You can't walk. You lose 20% of your water mass, and you die. You cannot live more than 72 hours without rehydrating yourself. Veteran soldier B.H. Turner testified, the greatest pain a wounded soldier endures is thirst. Wounded and left on the battlefield, all he could hear in the night were the soldiers crying out, I thirst, dipso, I Just want water, water. More painful than a bullet wound. More painful than a stabbing wound is the loss of water and the lack of hydration. But God had to become one of us to the fullest extent so he could give us life. Jesus had to suffer to the outer edges of endurance. Have you ever worked so hard? Have you you ever gotten so lost in your work? Maybe you were working outside in the garden in August, and it was a humid day. It was a hot, humid day like we traveled to Cuba. And let me tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. We went to Cuba last year in July. In October, physically, I got so sick. By the time October came, I was so dehydrated. I, would, I, I, I have to tell you I spent time in the hospital because I had gone to Cuba and and it, my body could not keep up with the demand of water that I needed and I became dehydrated and for for four months I had pain in my arms pain in my legs. I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was an attack from the enemy. I just was so filled with pain and it took me time to recover from that dehydration. It was it was tough. I thought I could handle it. You know how I preach here. I went there and I preached sometimes two, three times every day. In, in in a church that the roof was made out of tin. And you walk into the church, block and tin, it felt like an oven. And I really am not the kind of person like that, that likes to drink a lot while I'm speaking. So I just I just preached, I just preached, I preached, preached, preached. And I just couldn't get enough water in me. And then we went and worked outside on a building for three days. By the time I got home, I was dehydrated. And I didn't stop. I just kept on going. We had Hope Day. We had other things going on. I just kept on going until I dehydrated my body. Have you ever worked so hard? Have you ever felt like you've pushed yourself to the edge of exhaustion? Maybe you're a trainer. Maybe you work out. Maybe you're a bodybuilder like me. I want to know why that was funny. And you've become so thirsty. And all you really needed was a drink of water. Hydrate yourself. Maybe you've pushed yourself right to the point of dehydration. And Jesus now has to endure the cross to the end. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance. Let us run with endurance to the end, the the race that is marked out for us, fixing, listen to me, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to what he says, listen, lean up. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured its scorning and its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you might not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews says, Let's run our race. With great endurance, don't become weary and tired in your run, as you run your race. He said, but fix your eyes on Jesus who is our model of suffering and endurance and victory. He said, fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I want to tell you what his joy was. His joy was that one day he's going to see you and I in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever looks to the cross, looks to the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the earth will find that they have Eternal life, God sent His Son, and Jesus died on the cross, and he had a joy in his spirit as he's coming to the end of his life. He knows this one thing: he will be able to be the sacrifice for you and I that perfect sacrifice, and he needs to say, I thirst, give me a little bit of water because I've got two more sayings to say it is finished, hallelujah, I've won the work for you I've done the, the sacrifice so you and I could have. Eternal life. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap offering. Come on. I don't know about you, but I need to break out in praise. (laughs) He endured the cross to the very end. And he did it fully human. This is so critical. In fact, this is so important. That Paul the Apostle writes in the book of Colossians. He has to actually combat what's called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is a false doctrine that crept into the church. In fact, the Apostle John has to also combat the same problem. Because there were those that came into the church and they told them, they they said, listen, it's okay to believe in Jesus. But Jesus never really became a man. It's okay to believe that he was the sacrifice, but he never became a man. Listen to me. He was a ghost. He was a spirit. And while he looked like a man, he never became a man. And you see, that is such false doctrine that is so dangerous that John the Apostle has to write this to those that are listening to this lie. Listen to what he says. He says, dear friends... Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets, are you hearing me, have gone out into the world. And this is how you will recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has become, has come in the flesh, is from God. Everyone who tells you that Jesus... Was God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and became flesh, and dwelt among us, and died as a human being, they're giving you the right gospel. He said, but anyone who tells you that he never really became human, to the point of death, human, human, just like you and I, don't believe them. For Paul, the, the, the apostle declared, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us... Who are being saved, it is the power of God. Foolishness! Utter foolishness, some would say. In fact, last night I watched a two-hour debate with my great friend Dr. Mike Brown. And he was actually debating a rabbi. And the rabbi, he really wanted to defend what he had to say. And man, he was just really passionate. And the rabbi kept on saying for two hours, I don't need a savior. I don't need a Savior. All I need to do is follow the law. I have to obey God and follow the law. And Mike Brown stood up with the passion that he has and he said, Friend, I want you to know the Bible tells us all have sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God and we all need the mercy of God. And and someone said there's 600 plus laws in the Old Testament. How do you know when you've gotten it all right? Friend, one day you and I will stand before a holy God. And if we don't have a Savior... If we don't have someone who's gone before us, then we will be laid bare before the Lord with all of our sin, with all of our iniquity, with all of our transgression. Thank God that Jesus died to be our sin-bearer. And so he said, it's utter foolishness, this rabbi said. And, 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 and the Muslim says, utter foolishness. Jesus never really died on the cross. And other religions, Hinduism, utter foolishness. But Christianity understands and sees that only God could take away our sins and make us right with Himself. Every other religion, we try to be good to reach up to God, but Christianity is the only religion that says God loved us so much that He reached down to mankind and saved us, not from the law. He saved us so that we might be um, we might be able to do the law. the fullest extent and jesus said here are the two laws that you must follow love the lord your god with all your heart soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself so listen to me this morning i went for my walk in the park and i prayed for that precious rabbi and i said lord thank you that i don't have to take any chances I don't have to risk not getting to heaven. Oh, I'm still accountable to follow the law. The law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So strengthen mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I have a covering. Hallelujah. I've got a Savior, hallelujah. I've got one who's given me the assurance, hallelujah, that if I accept him, to to those that accepted the Lord, he gave us the right to become the sons and children of God. I don't have to fear the wrath of God. I don't have to fear that I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, not good enough, hallelujah. I can stand before God and say, yes, Lord, I believe I'm not good enough, but he's good enough and he took it upon himself for me so that I might have eternal life, come on somebody. Fully human. Fully God. Full salvation. Oh but 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 as the worship team comes this morning because it just gives you hope that I'm gonna finish. Listen to me. L- l- let me let me let me for a moment take you just a little deeper. Just a little deeper. Because it's not just that he had to be fully human that he said dip so I thirst. But I believe with all my heart that Jesus had to say, I thirst. Because it was really a spiritual matter in all of our lives. You see, I believe the reason why Jesus became thirsty is so that we would never have to become thirsty again. You see, I believe that there's an even deeper meaning as Jesus is hanging on the cross And he says, dipso, I thirst. We have to remember that now Jesus is separated from his father for three hours. Now Jesus is separated from the Holy Spirit, listen to me, for three hours. He's all alone. He has no one to help him. No one to comfort him. No one to be his advocate. No one to be his dunamas power. And he becomes thirsty, not just for water. He becomes thirsty, not just to quench his physical need for H2O. But Jesus now, listen to me, for three hours is separated from his Father. He's separated from the comfort, from the union, from the peace, from the joy. He's separated from the love of his Father. And now Jesus becomes thirsty for God. As the psalmist writes in Psalms 88, as Jesus actually cries out to his father and the psalms declare the heart, the passion of Jesus. There are several psalms that are what we call the passion of Jesus. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, all my bones are out of joint and my, my tongue cleaves to my, the roof of my mouth and I, and I thirst. And part of what Jesus is doing is fulfilling prophecy when he says, I thirst. Psalm 69, oh God, I thirst, Lord. My, my tongue cleaves to my, my, my mouth. Psalms 88, I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. Can you hear Jesus quoting the Psalms while he's, he's on the cross fulfilling Scripture. Listen what he says. And I am like one without strength. I am counted among those who go down to the grave, to the pit. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and I cannot escape. I, I will not come off the cross. My eyes are dim with grief, but I cry for you to help. Lord, in the morning my prayers come before you. Why, Lord, have you rejected me and hide your face from me? My God, my God, why do you forsake me? As Jesus begins to quote the Psalms, Maybe not out loud, but in his heart. As the deer pants for the streams of water. So my soul longs for you, my God. My thirst. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food all day and night. While people are saying to me, where is your God? These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck and I sink in the miry depths where there is no, there is no water. I have come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. I am a worm calling out for help and my throat is, is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish? My God, I cry out day and night, but you do not answer. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax as it melts within me, and my mouth is dried up like a pot cherry, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus is now, he's not thirsting. For physical water. But right now, three hours separated from God. Separated from the Spirit. All alone in the darkest depths of the grave and hell. Jesus is now thirsting, listen to me, for God. He's thirsting for communion. He's thirsting for unity with God. He's thirsting for the living water of the Holy Spirit. He's thirsting for the fruit of the Spirit. He's thirsting for the presence of God. He's thirsting for intimacy with God. And he feels the intensity of being separated from his Father. And that separation for even three hours makes Jesus cry out, I thirst. And if Jesus, after three hours of being separated from his Father, cries out, I thirst. I thought to myself, all the people in this world. Look look at me, look at me, look at me. All the people in this world that are separated from God. All the people in this world that are separated from intimacy with God. How they must thirst for something. All the people that run after things. You see, all of us in this room, we thirst for something. Look at me. Listen to me. In the balcony, in the overflow today, God bless you in the overflow. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to to come up from the overflow and gather around the altars. We pray for you that that God would quench your thirst. Maybe you're watching today via live stream today. Maybe you're watching in the Mediterranean. Maybe you're watching in the Middle East. You know what desert is all about. You know what thirst is all about. Every one of us in this room, we thirst for something. Some of us thirst for, for relationship. Some of us thirst. We thirst for healing in our life. Some of us thirst for power. Some of us thirst for love from God. Whatever it may be, there's a thirst in our hearts. That's why, that's why Jesus, he had to. He had to travel through Samaria because there was a woman that was, that was sitting at the well. And Jesus... He wasn't supposed to talk to this woman because Jews don't talk to any women alone. And they certainly don't talk to a a Samaritan alone, an outcast alone. But Jesus sits by the well, him and this woman. And he must engage in a conversation with this woman. And he asked the woman, woman, give me, give me something to drink. I'm thirsty, woman, give me something to drink. And the woman, instead of giving him something to drink, enters into a conversation with Jesus. And they get into this dialogue about God and and how you need to find God and where could you find God. Is God worshipped on this mountain or is God worshipped on this mountain? And Jesus sees the depth of her thirst Jesus sees that this woman, she's run after all these things, but she's still, she's still thirsty for something. Not just, not just water, not just, not just physical water. She's, her soul is thirsting for the emotional relief from the pain of her past. Her soul is thirsting for a God that loves her unconditionally. She doesn't know unconditional love. The last five guys walked out on her jesus turns to this woman and says if you would have known who was asking you for a drink of water you would have asked me and i would have given you living water so that you might not thirst any longer and i believe today the greatest need for a human being is for God to come. You see, God has put in all of our lives a hunger and a thirst for Him. And when we run after other idols, when we run after other things, we get thirsty all over again and all over again and all over again. And it never sat, never satisfied. Listen to me, young person. I've been there. You could try to party all you want. You could try to work hard to get a good job. But at the end of working really hard to try to do all those things, you will exhaust yourself and you will still be dehydrated asking God, oh God, please, please, God, what's the answer to my life? You'll be asking yourself, what's the answer that will bring me true satisfaction, that will fill my cup with something that won't leave me desperate? dehydrated and dry Jesus has to cry because he has to in your place cry out and say God I'm thirsty why does he have to do that because he knows Lou is thirsty God and I'm dying on the cross and I'm thirsty because he will one day cry out to you he's thirsty and I must die on the cross. Franklin will become thirsty. Paula will become thirsty. Brian will become thirsty. And the only way that I can quench his thirst is to go all the way through the road of the cross. Jesus said to his disciples, it's important for me to go away. Because when I go away, I will send the Paracletus, the Holy Spirit, and when he comes. He will bring water to your thirsty soul. So, Jesus is just about to die. He's just about to say it's finished. And He's just about to get ready to send the Spirit. But in your place, He has to cry out, I'm thirsty. And so, now, John chapter seven, Jesus says this listen, as I close. Man, I got so much more I want to tell you, but you just got to learn how to listen longer. On the last day, and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And John puts a tagline to that. He says, by this, he meant the Holy Spirit would come and quench your thirsty soul. Let us pray together. I believe right now God's about to do something in this place. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. God said to the people of Israel, he said, for my people have done evil things. They have abandoned me. The fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that cannot hold water at all. And maybe this morning you're here and you would say, I'm thirsty. Listen to me. Jesus had to become thirsty to represent you. He cried out for rain so that he could send the Holy Spirit to touch your parched life. And so today, maybe you say, Pastor, I've become thirsty. Maybe this morning you've abandoned your intimacy, your intimate relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've just, no, you haven't stopped coming to church, but you've, you've stopped going to the well every day of your life. You see, every day you have to go back to the well. And as long as you stay by the well, God will always give you the living water, the living water, the living water. Maybe you haven't abandoned your intimacy with Jesus, but you've you've stopped really pursuing Him with all your heart. And the truth is, now you find yourself thirsty for something. You find maybe that you've become restless, longing for something, but you don't know what it is. And maybe you've dug for yourself a cistern that cannot really hold water. You've run after things, 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 things. Money. Money can never satisfy. You've run after relationships outside of God, can never satisfy. Maybe you're hooked on drugs or alcohol, whatever it is. Maybe you're just an overworker and you're just so, so exhausted with trying to find what will satisfy your soul. And friend, it's time to come back to Jesus, the living water. I'm talking about really come back, really ask Him for forgiveness and turn from the idols of your life and come back to the living water and cry out to the Lord, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. And so, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm thirsty. Pastor Steve, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I'm really thirsty for security of knowing if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Or maybe you're here, you say, Pastor Steve, I'm just, I'm thirsty for happiness. I'm thirsty for peace in my life. There's a hole in my heart. Friend, God, put that hole in your heart. And the only one that can fill it is Him. And when you run after all these other things, it'll leave you unsatisfied. But Jesus said, if you come, I will give you water unto eternal life. He was talking about sending the Spirit of God to live inside of you to give you satisfaction. And maybe you're a Christian today. Say, Pastor, I just, I just, I'm just not going to God enough. I'm just not really spending the time with the Lord like I need to. And I just need to come and ask Him to fill me again. Maybe you're, you run dry and you, you just need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill your life again. I want you all to stand to your feet right now. There was a song we used to sing as a, as a kid and it came to my heart was while I was just spending time with Jesus a couple of days ago. Fill my cup, Lord. High lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Come on, raise your hands and sing it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want more of you today. Fill my cup, Lord. Come on, sing it like you mean it. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven. O bread of heaven. Come fill it up hand me come on sing it again to the lord raise your hand say holy spirit come fill my cup i lift it up lord Thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Oh, fill my cup, fill it up. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but there's times in my walk with the Lord that I get so busy with other things that I neglect my personal walk with Jesus. And that's when God, again, gives me a thirst so that I can come back to Jesus because He's all I need. And when I forget that, He puts a thirst back in my soul, so I run back to Jesus. And today, you might say, I just need more of Jesus today. I need to refocus my attention on the Lord. And I need a touch. I need a touch of the Holy Spirit in my life today. I need the anointing of God. I need the power of God again to give me strength to go on, to face the things in my life. I want you to raise your hands one more time. And I want you to sing with all your heart, Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord God lord i want to i want to have living water flowing through my life so others can come and drink hallelujah come on fill my cup lord hallelujah oh fill my cup oh yes oh god Soul, bread of heaven, oh bread of heaven, oh yes, Lord, what no more. Fill my cup. Now you're here today you're here today you say Pastor Steve pray for me right now I need God in my life I want to make God my Savior and my Lord I want you to raise your hands right now and say yes Lord I need you in my life today I need you to forgive me of my sin hey Jesus died on the cross for your sins that you might have eternal life you say pastor I'm not certain that if I died today I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus I want you to raise your hand right now and say yes Lord I need you to come into my life right now anybody in this room you say pastor Steve I'm a Christian already but I need a touch of the spirit today I just need a touch today I feel listen to me I feel all week long, God wants to do something and send revival in this church. And God wants to do a new work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You might say, you know what? I want the Holy Spirit to do a great work in my life. I want Him to fill me today. I want Him to heal my body. I want Him to heal my soul. I want Him to heal my broken heart. Whatever it is today. But you need more of the Holy Spirit today. I want you to get out of your seat right now. And I want you to come to this altar. Hurry, come now. And say, yes Lord, do a work in my life. Come on, quickly, quickly, now come on we know we don't have a lot of time today come out of the altar, come to the altar right now and say yes Lord I want you to do a work in my life right now come on we'll wait for you as as the Holy Spirit's going to begin to do a work in your life right now hallelujah everybody else in this place you just begin to pray you pray for those that are coming to the altar right now God's going to do something in the lives of people today I believe with all my heart God is going to heal the sick. God is going to fill those that need to be a fill with the holy spirit you just say i need another filling i need another filling of the holy spirit one baptism many fillings. i just need a new touch of the holy spirit i want you to come right now come 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 right now come on sing oh fill my cup lord hallelujah lord i lifted up lord come and quench Come and quench This thirsting of my soul Oh, bread of heaven Feed me, feed me Till I want no more Fill my cup Fill it up and me. May... You're struggling today. Maybe you're in the cafe today. I know in the cafe after the service, things kind of disperse. But if you're in the cafe this morning, you need to make your way up from the cafe. You say, you know, I need prayer today. I want somebody to pray for me right now. There are people that want to pray for you. Maybe you have a sickness in your body. Maybe you're addicted today. Maybe you're addicted to something. You keep on going back to that thing, whatever it is, because you think... That's going to bring satisfaction in your life. And you need that chain to be broken in your life. You need that addiction to be broken in your life. Maybe you've got bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. And it's stopping the flow of God's Spirit in your life. And you need the Holy Spirit to break that chain of bitterness in your life. You come right now and let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. And listen. And when we're done today... And when we we continue to pray, when we're done, you just can go and be blessed in the name of Jesus and know that God has done a great work in your life. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. We're going to pray. Let's turn this into a prayer meeting right now. If you've got to go, please feel free to be dismissed. Don't forget to go and...